Welcome to Center Ice. It is March 16th. Thanks again for joining us. We are doing every show on Friday from now on because we're just in a better mood on Fridays. You know, sometimes it's kind of hard to come into the studio and do these on a Sunday. And I think you guys will notice that we just have more energy and we're, you know, it's the end of the week for us and we have a great class before this. So we're just in a better mood and we find that it's, it makes for better radio. Yeah, well, it's definitely good to be doing it on a Friday. I think spirits are high. I know you're coked up on ice capped sugar, which <laughs> certainly helps our cause here. And personally, I like ice caps, but they're not my all-time favorite beverage. That would have to go to any type of milkshake. Anyways, we're getting off topic here. You're here for hockey. Let's give you some hockey insight. And we've sort of discovered that our first segment tends to be just general. So we'll go over the happenings of the last week in the NHL. Mac, do you want to lead us off? Well, the Buffalo Sabres are officially at the bottom of the league. And I don't know about you, but I, I did not see this happening. I really thought Arizona was that bad, but something's clicked with Arizona and they've been actually quite good in the second half. And they've raced ahead of Buffalo. I say that lightly because they're not very One much point. ahead of Buffalo. But, I mean, boy, it, it sure looks like if the Sabres win that lottery that Rasmus Dallin might be in Buffalo. He very well might be. But is he the player, if you're Buffalo, is he your top guy you go with? Because... Obviously, he's the presumed number one pick, but that doesn't always mean that he's the best fit for your team. I think in this situation, you go after Dolan, but we've seen crazier things happen in the NHL draft. Oh, it's it's a no-brainer. And, and I, think, I think the Sabres will be the first to tell you that front office will say, hey, we thought we were going to be competitive this season. But, hey, they figured out that they weren't. They traded Evander Kane. They got a pretty good return for Evander Kane. And now Jack Eichel's out. It's kind of created this perfect storm. And they're bad. Well, let's be honest. They're not a good team. So it's kind of funny how that works out because they really did think that they were going to be, you know, maybe in for like a wild card spot this year. I think Ryan O'Reilly had some great expectations upon him. And I don't think that was necessarily fair because. Ryan O'Reilly is a good player, but he's more of a defensive player than an offensive player. Jack Eichel was great when he was healthy, but he was banged up a little bit this year. And, and let's not forget the uh, goaltending. Robin Leonard, he had <laughs> goaltending. A, an excellent year last year. I mean, but, I and he had fair, he had fairly high expectations on him this year. He, I think you made a good point in class, Mac, that he really carried the team to quite a few wins last season. They would have been a lot worse, I think, last season if it wasn't for the play of Robin Leonard. And just, especially in this back half of the season, he's just been rough. And we'll get back on Mr. Leonard later on. But yeah, absolutely. But let's look at the playoff race right now. We've had a few changes. It looks like LA is starting to close in on that third spot in the Pacific Division. We weren't really sure if that was going to be the case. The Ducks are very close to them, but I don't know. It just it just seems like L.A. is really feeling it, and Andre Kopitar especially. We'll get into a discussion about awards later. And Andre Kopitar is one of my heart candidates. He has been absolutely phenomenal this year. I mean, what a way to rebound from a year when people started questioning you know, how good is Ange Kopitar? And he comes back and he does this. Four points last night against the Red Wings. I mean, this guy just does everything for them. He does. And it's good to see a player like Kopitar really have that resurgence because remember the past couple of years, and you said it well, is that people weren't quite sure what was going on with Kopitar because we, we knew the skill he had, but he never really showed it. And now we've seen an excellent resurgence this year. And I really think this isn't just a one-and-done fluke. I think he can really continue to carry this on for the rest of his career, really, because this is the Kopitar we really know and love. 
And if you're L.A., you're thrilled to have him playing at the level he is right now. Oh, no doubt. I think the bottom line is he needs some help. And Dustin Brown is kind of washed up at this point. I think he has 20-some goals, but Ajay Kopitar and Drew Doughty are setting him up for most of those goals. It just, to me, Jeff Carter has had trouble staying healthy. When he's healthy, he's always productive. But if you look past those guys, they've got a young guy, Adrian Kempe. Tyler Toffoli has always kind of been a bit underwhelming based on expectations when they drafted him, I think. And you look past those guys, there's really not a lot on offense for the LA Kings. It's pretty remarkable that they've been able to maintain a playoff spot. You know, Jonathan Quick has been injured for most of the season. And when he's been healthy, he's had his ups and downs. So, like I've said, Ange Kopitar, absolutely deserving of some heart talk, but we'll get on that later. And one big thing that happened, and I actually really like this. I think this is this is a good thing, and I think other sports should follow. The Professional Hockey Writers Association announced today that going forward, every season, the votes for awards from all the writers will be public. So we will know who voted for who in which award. And I think this is a good thing. I think it'll bring some transparency because... Really, it's a guessing game. Unless they go on a radio show and they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm," you know, "I voted for this guy." You really don't know. You really don't, and especially over the past couple of years, when it it's a tough race. But there certainly are some awards that you could say, especially in the Norris category, we've seen a lot of close races between Eric Carlson and Drew Doughty, and especially last year when. If you're a Senators fan, you look at that and you say, well, Drew Doughty won last year and he certainly deserved a Norris. I'm not going to sugarcoat that because Drew Doughty had an excellent year last year and he's an excellent defenseman. But I think what upset a lot of hockey fans overall is that Drew Doughty won for everything Carlson didn't win the year before. And I understand why Ottawa fans would be upset at that because Carlson... Remember a couple years ago, he went on an outstanding run. He was putting up points left, right, and center. But his team didn't make the playoffs, and he wasn't your true defenseman. And then last year, Drew Doughty basically did the same thing Carlson did, where he was putting points up left, right, and center. And not that he's not good at defense, but he certainly was offensive-oriented that year, and the Kings didn't make the playoffs, and Doughty won. So you have to feel as though... That, they gave the award to Doughty because it was his time. And not that, as I said, not that Doughty doesn't deserve that award. But as I said, a lot of Ottawa fans certainly are, were upset at that ruling because Carlson last year in particular under Guy Boucher, say what you want about Boucher this year, but Carlson had an outstanding year last year on both ends of the puck. And I think with a bit more transparency and I can go on. There's plenty of award cases in the awards where you can say, well, that guy didn't win it last year, but this guy won it this year for the reason he didn't win it last year. So I think this transparency will certainly ho- help. I hope that hockey fans, if their favorite player doesn't win, won't take it too seriously. That's my only concern with it. I, I'd like to have faith that the hockey community is strong enough and it's just good-natured enough to know that these are awards, and there's nothing you can do. You, there's nothing you can say to these writers that will change their mind after the ballots have been gasted. But um, this is a good move for hockey overall. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I think that there will be those fans. There are always those rabid fans that, you know, take your typical, you know, hardcore Maple Leafs fan. And, you know, maybe they would say... I don't know. Like, what's an example? Freddie Anderson should be in the running for the Vesna, and he should. But Pecorine. based on based on the competition, he shouldn't win over Pekarina. He shouldn't win over an Andre Vasilevsky. And speaking of Vasilevsky, I think a lot of people are uh, kind of fooled by the Tampa Bay defense because it looks so good on paper. But man, if you watch that team play. 
I I'm not very impressed with the defense, and I think it's a big issue for them. I like Hedman. I like Strawman. I don't like Coburn. I don't like Schuster. I don't like Cuckoo. You know, Sergeyev is a young player learning how to play in this league. Coburn is a big, lanky defenseman who has trouble skating, especially in this day and age. And a lot of the times, Vasilevsky is just standing on his head, and especially lately, they're getting burned by Ottawa, by Philly, by teams like that. And I think it's become, it's gone from a strength last year to a real kind of issue for them going into the playoffs. You wonder if that loss against Ottawa may be the wake-up call that they finally need because we saw those post-game comments, and you could certainly, even if they didn't admit it, you could feel that they know that they, A, not, and it wasn't just the Ottawa game. We've, we've seen the past few games they played, and that defense hasn't been good. This reminds me a lot of a situ- situation that happened in Montreal where the defense wasn't great, but Carey Price bailed them out a lot. And Tampa Bay is lucky that they have some time before the playoffs. It's still a situation that they can remedy, but they do need to change their approach to defense because the goals are going to come regardless. They are a scoring juggernaut, so they don't have to worry about goals. It's about defending against goals from the opponent. Right, it's gonna right. It's going to be a challenge. Exactly. And I think a lot of times when you watch Tampa Bay, when they're at their best, they play that run-and-gun game, and they beat you. They trade chances with you, and oftentimes they beat you. But, you know, we said this so many times. It's so hard to play that game consistently in the NHL today, and eventually you're going to get burned, and that's what's happening lately with them. So I think, like you mentioned, they really need to think about their strategy going into the playoffs. It's a run-and-gun hockey is a real challenge to play in the playoffs because everything is so much tougher. Every goal you score is a real. You work so hard to get just one goal. And let's be honest, in the playoffs, everything is closer. Most games will come down to the final buzzer. And I don't know how much confidence I have in a team like Tampa Bay to hold a two-one through a 3-2 lead against a team like a Toronto or a Boston with seconds to go and the extra attacker out. Do you? Yeah, exactly. It's it's just, for me, Tampa Bay went from being kind of a juggernaut and a team that I thought was going to go a long way in the playoffs to a team that I've noticed has some issues. And Ryan McDonough is a good acquisition, but Ryan McDonough has not been very noticeable since they acquired him. Anyway, we'll talk more awards and more hockey coming up on Center Ice. Welcome back to Center Ice. It is Friday, March 16th, and we want to get right into awards talk because the NHL season is winding down, and you know what that means. The award predictions are going to start coming out. Now, Mac and I aren't going to make our full picks today, but we want to really talk about the big awards, and Obviously, one of the biggest, most prestigious awards you can win at the NHL Awards is the Hart Trophy, and both Mac and I have talked about it throughout the day today, and we both have very differing opinions, and we just want to argue why our picks should win the Hart. So, for me, my three big picks are Connor McDavid, Pekka Rene, and Taylor Hall. Mac, what are your picks? Those are those are great picks. I've got I talked about Kopitar and he's one of mine. Nathan McKinnon has been unbelievable. And also I've got Alex Barkov. And I don't know how many people are voting for him for MVP, but for me, he has been outstanding this season. I mean, he's top 20 in scoring and arguably number 1 in Selkie voting or very close to Bergeron. Just put together a fantastic season. It'll be a toss-up for Selkie between those two. I, I, think. I, I think so. Maybe Kopitar as well, but I think the better defensive player is probably Barkov or Bergeron. Probably. Yeah. So for my heart player, my big pick was Connor McDavid, and it's kind of stereotypical at this point to say Connor McDavid for heart this year. But I really understand why hockey writers and experts would pick Connor McDavid as their heart, because the numbers he's putting up on a team like Edmonton 
are outstanding. And personally, in my belief, that if, is that if you took Connor McDavid away from that roster, what would, where would the Edmonton Oilers be? I think they've had a tough season, but I think they would be very close to last place because Connor McDavid, he just goes out there and he makes his presence felt. Every night he's setting up his teammates, he makes that team that much better. And don't get me wrong, I think Hall and McKinnon and Rene and all the other players certainly do deserve credit. But I think when you look at what Connor McDavid has done this season and even last season, what he's done as a player has been outstanding. And it's, it really wouldn't, it wouldn't be an easy vote for Hart this year. But I think Connor McDavid is my pick to win the Hart this year. I mean, it, it's really hard to argue with that. And he, he absolutely deserves to be in the running. And we'll see what happens. I've got Nathan McKinnon as my number two. I already talked about Kopitar just carrying the Kings on a nightly basis, offensively and defensively, just pretty much a one-man army. Jeff Carter hasn't been healthy. Basically, him and Drew Doughty have been carrying the Kings all season. It's pretty unbelievable what those two have done. So on to McKinnon. At this time last year, Matt, the Avs were at the bottom of the league. And I, I think they didn't win the draft lottery, but I think the next best team over them was 20 points more than them or something like that. I can't remember the exact math, but it was pretty ridiculous. Matt Duchesne was with them. The whole locker room was kind of upset and disengaged and the roster looked different fast forward to this year he gets off to a pretty good start but he's still kind of battling matt duchene for ice time and he's still kind of trying to prove that he's ready to be that number one center and he had a good start to the season not a great start and then all of a sudden what happens matt duchene traded to ottawa in the three-way deal that sent Tourists to Nashville and Sammy Gerard and a couple of prospects and picks to Colorado. A trade that we had thought would happen for so long and finally did. Since that trade, Nathan McKinnon has just erupted and made his name known around the league. This guy went from a star to a superstar. It's really unbelievable. And if you look at that Colorado team, Yes, they have Miko Rantanen. Yes, they have Landis Gog. They don't have a great defense. I don't know how many casual hockey fans could name half that roster. Probably not very many. But Nathan McKinnon has just been unbelievable. He's top five in points, and he has 85 points in 62 games. Like, he missed almost a month, and he's come back with a vengeance. I just, I find it so hard to believe. Like, I'm almost, I almost need to do a double take. Like, at this time last year, Colorado was last place. And they were, they were bad. They were really bad. They were kind of like Buffalo. And now this year, they're in a playoff spot. And Nathan McKinnon is tearing it up. Miko Rantanen is having an outstanding rookie year. And... Even though they have kind of misfit goaltending with Jonathan Bernier and Simeon Varlamov and not the best roster, they're still winning. And it just goes to show you what an outstanding season he's had. The next player I have on my list, and you and I, this is one you and I both kind of agreed on, is Taylor Hall. He, he reminds me a lot of what McKinnon's done this year. And it's not that Hall had a bad year last year, but he really has taken, let, let's face it, that Devils team last year, wasn't very good. They, I believe, I forget how low they were in the standings, but they weren't a whole lot higher than Colorado if you're just looking standings-wise. And Colorado, pardon me, New Jersey brought in some youth, and I think Hall's really f turned into a leader there. He's got 76 points in 65 games, so not quite as much as McKinnon, but for what Taylor Hall means to the Devils, I think you should put him in the conversation for Hurt. Do I think he wins it? I don't think so, unless he really turns it on these last few games. But he certainly does deserve a nod for the numbers and really the leadership 
he's put out this year. Because that's what I noticed. Whenever I watch a Devils game, he is a true leader in that locker room. And on the ice as well, he has really come into his own. Because I remember him in Edmonton and everyone saying, remember Taylor Hall and Junior? And Taylor Hall really never really found his footing in Edmonton. And he really seems to have found it in New Jersey. And you got to be happy for him because he's really got a team to call his own. And I think it's good for him. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you be happy for Taylor Hall? He's not in Edmonton. He's not dealing with that situation, which he could be right now. I mean, let's be honest. Like, let's say they still had Taylor Hall. Are they really that much better of a team with Taylor Hall? I don't think so. They they'd be better. They'd win they would be better. Yes, they but could be in they could be in a St. Louis Blues type situation where they're yeah. not good enough to contend or make the playoffs, but they're not bad enough to tank for the lottery. But now he's with Ray Shiro. There's great young players there like Pavel Zaka, Nico Heischer, Sammy Vatanen, and the list goes on and on. And he's with a Devils team that's really going somewhere. Uh, that, that Oilers team is going nowhere, and they've been going nowhere for really the last few years. Last year was an anomaly. They overachieved. They, they smashed every expectation. Every single player from Patrick Maroon to Adam Larson, it was kind of ridiculous. And this season they've fallen down to earth. So absolutely Taylor Hall should be in this conversation. And I think he has as good an argument as any that he should win it, honestly. And I, I don't think it should go to Kucherov. Let's touch on that. Because let's Kucherov plays with Stamkos. Kucherov plays with Braden Point, Palat. Kucherov is a great player, but is he more valuable to his team than a Connor McDavid, a Taylor Hall, and Nathan McKinnon? I don't think so. I don't think so either. He's an outstanding player. No one can deny that. But I really don't see him being the most valuable player. One other player I want to touch on briefly before we move on to the Vesna is I want to talk about Afghani Malkin because you brought him up briefly earlier today. And sure, everyone puts him with Crosby. He and Crosby. Well, they don't play together. Exactly. Every, yeah, That's what people I mean. forget that. They he, play together on the power play. That's about it. And I think Malkin's really can Not that Malkin's never held his own, but I think Malkin's had an outstanding year, and he's it's quietly been having one because just I think the Penguins have kind of quietly had a up-and-down year, but Malkin's had a great season all, all year, and I think if Malkin were putting up these numbers back when the Pens were at their absolute peak a few years ago, or even a couple years ago, I think everyone would be saying Afghani Malkin, right? And I think he's extremely valuable to his team. And I don't think he's as valuable as someone like a Hall or a McKinnon. But I guarantee you, if you take Malkin out of that lineup, there's a big, that's a big loss for Pittsburgh. No doubt. I, I don't know. I don't have the stats in front of me. Maybe Matt can look these up. But... I believe in the second half, he has produced something like 55 points in 30 games. He has just been unbelievable. And Sidney Crosby's had a good year. He really has. But Evgeny Malkin has really stepped into more of an offensive role and a leader. Because not only is he scoring goals and adding points, he's scoring big goals. And... He's not afraid to pass the puck. You know, I think Malkin, kind of in his earlier days, he would be, you know, I want to snipe the puck, top cheese. I want to dangle around everybody. And he still does that from time to time because he has the talent. But I'm seeing kind of a Malkin that is much more mature now. He knows he has players around him he can trust, like Kessel, like Hornqvist, Latang, all these guys. And he's not afraid to make that extra pass now. And don't forget that Malkin's already won the heart before. So he's yep. a proven player. And it just tells you how important he is. And I could see I could see him winning his second heart this year. Does it happen? I don't think so. But it's not out of the question. So let's quickly move on to the Vesna here. So who do you have for Vesna? No, 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 wait, wait, wait. We got one more thing. Hmm? All right, so so here's the understated MVP of the league right now. It's Robin Leonard. 
He's the MVP of the tank. (laughs) I don't know if you watched the Leafs game last night, but he is absolutely in his own world right now. He, He did not move on any of those goals. He looked like he was just... You know, standing in the net, just just occupying the space. Just yeah. it looked like me as a road hockey goalie, <laughs> shooter <That's>... tutor, <laughs> <laughs> basically. And I mean, I, I didn't think Buffalo was going to be last place, but Robin Leonard's terrible play, and r- really, he's not. I, he's clearly not trying. You can tell. Maybe he's injured. I don't know. Has led them to that last place finish that they've desired. Do you think that Leonard skated over to the bench during the first TV timeout and the coach says, it's a little too close here, Leonard. I, I don't, I have a I hard time th- believing that, but <laughs> everybody knows the situation they're in and they know that they want to go for that draft pick. Well, let's make that clear. Anyway, we'll be right back with more talk here on Center Ice. Welcome back to Center Ice. It is Friday, March 16th, and I wanted to talk about playoffs, but not particularly the teams that are in the playoffs, but more the play- the way the playoffs have worked the past couple years, because recently a few high-profile players, mainly Alex Ovechkin, has spoken out against the current NHL playoff format. And for those of you who aren't quite familiar of how the current playoff format works. It's fairly simple, but hard to understand. It's top three teams in each division, and then basically the next two best teams, which are your wildcard teams. And the problem with this is, is that you can have a very strong division, like what we're seeing with the Atlantic this year, and you can have a very weak division. But it, mean, and it means teams that really haven't earned a home ice advantage they get a home ice advantage or you're two very strong teams and you face off against each other then that's what Ovechkin's really upset about in this situation because what he said and I quote basically is that we've ended up playing against the Penguins the past few years even if we're both very equal in skill and the problem with this he's saying is that you're hitting two giants against each other much earlier than you should see. And we've seen it in round one as well. We've seen a lot, two very good teams in Columbus and Pittsburgh. We saw them match up against each other last year. And both of them really took a knock into each other. And I know a few Columbus players, even if they won't admit, I'm sure they weren't too happy to face a team like Pittsburgh in round one when they could have faced a much weaker team in Ottawa if we went back to the one by eight. So what do you think about this? idea, Mac, that we should go back to the one by eight because I'll pull up the standings right now and we can go through the matchups as if it was one by eight versus how they are division. What do you think about this idea? Yeah, I think very few people are happy with the current playoff format and I don't really know why they decided to change it, to be honest. It should be one versus eight and it should be like that. And I mean, most of the time when I was growing up, that's exactly what it was. And it made for some really interesting matchups. Yeah, you would get the occasional eighth seed team on fire that would come in and beat everybody. But for the most part, that first seed team didn't have a lot of trouble handling the eighth seed. And I think that's how it should be. I've always thought that. I don't like the current playoff format. And the fact that Maybe they should do some division realignment because some of the divisions for me are like, for example, right now the Atlantic division, other than Boston, Toronto, and Tampa Bay, is not very good at all. So, I mean, that's just another example. But, like, in a good year, the Pacific division is stacked. It has been historically and the Central, since the- and it, it's... I don't know. I mean, I think there there are a number of issues here. I think number one, it's these new divisions that they implemented a few years ago, which they didn't have before, and now the new playoff format, which they implemented as well. You know, we don't like the shootout. We don't like goaltender interference. There, there's a lot of issues with the NHL that they could solve and make the league a lot better. 
for fans and for players. Simplicity is always the best way to go. And here's how the playoffs are right now. And I'll go man, I'll go team by team here. So the first couple the first matchup we have here is Nashville versus Dallas. And I'm looking at the one by eight as well, flipping over to that, and it's the exact same matchup. So that one would stay the same regardless. But once you start getting down into some of the lower matchups, it starts to get interesting. So instead of Vegas facing off against the LA pardon me, instead of facing off against the Colorado Avalanche, they'd face off against the LA Kings, two versus seven. That would that changes things dramatically right there instead of facing a Colorado. That, yeah, yeah, and I th- I really do agree with you. I think that's how it should be. So Colorado basically, pardon me, gets kicked into a lower spot. A t- not saying Vegas will be tough, but the way they've been playing the season, Colorado ends up facing a tougher opponent because of this wildcard system. That's basically one of the issues with this playoff system is that you can have a really good season, but because your division's really strong, you end up in a wild card seed and you face a really tough hockey team. And that's what we're seeing with Colorado here. Yeah, and I really think that they should just go back to best overall points. Number one in points should be number one in the conference. Division should not be a factor at all. They they shouldn't be. It's it's as simple as that. And I don't know. I I think they wanted to try something here with this new format and the NHL is not a league that um stands by rules like these for a long time. I would not be surprised in a year or so, maybe even next season we see a change. It, because it it's not it's it's not just the players, it's the managers, it's the owners. I don't think anybody likes this playoff format. I certainly don't. And I remember last year, Ottawa had a very strong season, but they didn't earn, they shouldn't have had home ice for as long as they did. The Rangers were a better team than Ottawa was, yet the Rangers opened that series on the road. I don't think that's fair to, the, to a team like the Rangers when you play as strong as you do, and then you only end up in a wild card. It really isn't fair. Now, one other solution I've seen. Well, I've seen two other solutions besides going back to the one by eight. And if they change the playoff format, I think that's how it's going to go. But I've seen a couple other interesting suggestions, which are more thought experiments, but definitely are worth bringing up. One thought is that if you really want to hone in on the divisions and division rivalries and real, really focus on how important your division is, Instead of having the wild card spot, it's the top four in your division. Now, I don't know if I completely agree with this idea. It definitely would be interesting. I don't think it'll ever happen, but it's something that I'm sure the NHL will talk about. Because I know when they brought in the current playoff system, the whole idea was is that we're going to create rivalries. These interdivisional, these interdivisional matchups aren't going to be as common anymore. It's going to be you're going to face your Atlantic Division rivals, let's say. And then, so a team like Toronto would face, let's say, Ottawa round one. Then you'd face Montreal round two. Then you'd face a team from the Metro round three. That's how the NHL ideally wanted it to go. Obviously, knowing realistically, often one division stronger than the other. And that's the problem with this playoffs, the current playoff system. So what some people have proposed is do one by four. So... We'll, we'll look at the Metropolitan here. The way it would go down is you would have the Washington Capitals face off against the New Jersey Devils and the Penguins play off against the Flyers. Those would be two very good matchups. And if the NHL wants to go for rivalries, it's a way you can do it. The reason I don't think it ever happens is because my point earlier is that divisions can be very strong or they can be very weak. You could have very strong, four very strong teams in one division and then maybe have one or two good teams in the other. The w- other solution which I really want to bring up, and it's what a minor league hockey, pardon me, a, mo- a minor league has done in the southern U.S., and I think it's very interesting, is the top seed gets to pick their opponent in round one. I think that's very interesting. 
Mm. And it goes so on and so forth. So a team like Nashville or Tampa could pick their team, basically pick your poison. So Well, well let, let's pretend that was the case. If you're Nashville, who do you pick? Who do you face? Do you want Colorado? Do you want Dallas? I think they could run Dallas out of the building. I think they could run Dallas out of the <laughs> building too. And the only other, the other one I've heard is 1 through 16, and this one's very intriguing. The NBA is actually considering doing this, and I think it's very interesting because then it really focuses in on winning the President's Trophy because right now, sure, winning the President's Trophy is a big deal because you're the best team in the league. But once the playoffs come around, unless you make the Stanley Cup final, it's really no different than winning the e than being the top of the East, for example. So I I think this is a this would be an interesting idea because it really would change the way things work. You could see East versus West and so on and so forth. Now here's one that I kind of like that baseball has adopted. Why don't you have the two wild card teams play each other? And whoever wins that series moves on. I, I like that baseball does that. I do as well. You, you'd have to either increase the number of teams. You'd have to change things a little because the math wouldn't quite work out. Or you could give your you could really reward winning the being top team in the East or something, and say you're if you're top team in the East, you get a buy. That could really incentivize. Because remember, as we start to go down to the end of the season, especially right now, teams like Tampa are pretty much clinched. They're, pre- they're not guaranteed first in the East, but if, if you're Tampa and you end up second in the East, eh, you, you'd like home ice through the eastern side of the playoffs at least. But if you end up second, it's not a big deal. Where if you have the, implement the wild card system and make it so you get a buy, that buy becomes very valuable. And that's what they really used to do in baseball. And it, it really shows how important it would be. I, th- I think that's worth exploring because I think it works in baseball. The way I look at it, if you have the best record in the league, you've earned that buy. And a lot of times for – I don't know how many teams I've seen in, the, in my life at least storm into the playoffs with a number one seed and get knocked out. When you put that much energy into a regular season and you don't get any time off, it's very difficult to continue playing at that elite level, especially going against a team that really when they make the playoffs, they have as good a chance as anyone to beat you. The playoffs is a toss-up with all due respect to the powerhouses in the league. Anything can happen. So I think that's something that would be interesting because... I just want to run this scenario by you. Let's say... This is what the NHL decided to do for this year's playoffs. All of a sudden, here's what would happen. We would have Columbus versus New Jersey in that wild card game or games, depending on how you want to focus. And Tampa would get that first round bye, let's say. If you're Tampa, you would love that first round bye. That, especially with, we talked about it earlier in the show, they've been struggling a bit. They could get some more practice time. They could get some key guys back. That first round buy could be very important. And I think it would really incentivize teams trying to finish in that top three and even higher. So it would certainly change the way teams approach the end because of the season. Because right now, as I mentioned a few moments ago, we were seeing a lot of teams just coast to the playoffs. And if you're the NHL, you want exciting playoffs down to the last day. And usually you do, but there's quite a, I'd say a good half the games on the last day of the NHL season are quite they're meaningless. There's no reason for this team to play. It's just playing because you have to. We'll be right back after this break on Center Ice with some top five, bottom five. Welcome back to Center Ice. Thanks again for listening. I'm Mac Vincent here with Matthew Maynard. And to finish it off today, let's do some top five, bottom five. As always, we mentioned last week, brand new feature, the bottomless pit. Without further ado, Leading off the bottomless pit, the Buffalo Sabres. We talked about it earlier in the show. Commander Robin Leonard has rallied the troops, and they're tanking hard. Uh, That tank rally is 
in full swing, the Fallen for Dolan. What, what else can we say about Buffalo other than it has been a rough year in Edmonton? Pardon me, Buffalo. But it, tell, it just tells you which teams we know are going to be in our bottomless pit of doom at this point when we can put Edmonton, Buffalo, so on and so forth. But Buffalo has just had an awful season. Nothing seems to be going right for them. And there is a reason why they are number one on our bottomless pit of doom. And being last in the league, you automatically get that spot, basically. And number two, I did stop believing the Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> <laughs> I think people stopped believing a long time ago because I think if you're a serious Detroit Red Wings fan, I don't think a lot of people really expected this team to go into the playoffs this year or really contend for anything. This is a team that is rebuilding, and it was pretty clear from the outset that they were going to be rebuilding, and we can see it. And they've, But the thing is, they've really struggled in their past 10. 2-7-1. It's been a rough go for Detroit. It also doesn't help that they're on the West Coast right now, doing their West Coast swing. They can't, they're coming off a 4-1 loss to the Kings. They're playing Anaheim tonight at the time of this recording. So we'll see what happens there. Anaheim will certainly be a tough team for them to face. Anaheim's been on a little bit of a roll. So things aren't looking up in Detroit. The only thing they can really look forward to is the draft. But that's a lot of teams in our bottomless pit of doom at this point. And number three, the Edmonton McDavids. (laughs) Basically, there's a reason why I put him in my heart conversations because that team is Connor McDavid. What else is going right in Edmonton other than Connor McDavid right now? And at number four, well, they don't have Besser right now, and I don't even know how they're going to sort out that goaltending situation. Well, to be honest, it's it's a situation where two goaltenders who probably should be backups are kind of battling it out. Thatcher Demko is waiting in the wings. Really good goalie. Hopefully he turns into something for them, but... Without Besser, just not a good team. Vancouver management every year over-evaluates. I don't know if you've heard this, Matt, but Jim Benning was quoted saying, this is the best Vancouver team I've had since I started managing them. Really? Are, is, is this guy... I, I, I don't know on, what to say. I'm, I'm without it's speech. That, it's that fresh ocean air on the West Coast. Obviously, something's getting into his head. But let me just... Go, I want to go back to Edmonton quickly. Your silence after I ask, what is what other than Connor McDavid is going well in Edmonton? Your silence really is telling of what's been going on in Edmonton this year. But I th- the nice thing about Vancouver is I think they've got some good prospects. They've got some good goaltending in the wings. And I think things will look up for Vancouver in the next few years. I don't see it next year. Ne- the year after, may, it may be a bit of a stretch, but I think... Th- Two, three years from now, you could really see Vancouver contend for a playoff spot again. You, ju- you just can't rush it. That's the thing. And number five on the high end of our bottom five in the bottomless pit of doom. Don't tase me, bro. Chicago. <laughs> oh, Chicago. Sweet well, home. you know what? Nobody can really be upset if you're Chicago. Three cups in eight years. I mean, and now, yeah, you stink, but... Like you still got Kane. You still have you still have good players. It's just that cap situation is brutal, and they need to do something to remedy it because, man, I mean it's going to be tough. I know Stan Bowman's a good GM, but I have doubted a lot of the moves he's made at least the past year. I think he made a lot of great moves, and he kind of made his reputation as a great GM. But now with the salary cap and all of these players that he had signed to elaborate contracts, it just doesn't look good. I mean, like we've said this time and time again, Brent Seabrook is under contract until 2022, 2023. Not good. You traded Panarin for Saad because of Brent Seabrook and other players that you've overpaid. Corey Crawford has stood on his head for years and it just so happened this year 
he was banged up a little bit, and they're not going to rush him back. There's no point. I don't think he's going to play the rest of the season. It is highly unlikely, and uh, it's a good point. Why would you rush him back? You're playing, uh, you're playing meaningless games at this point, and there's no reason to rush back Corey Crawford. And the Blackhawks, we've seen this coming for years because everyone was wondering, the Blackhawks have been great for so long. When is it all going to come crashing down? And this happens to be the year. I think the real change in the path was last year when they got swept by Nashville. But if you watch that Chicago team over the past couple years, you can see that decline from that cup win in 2015. And a lot of people who watch the Hawks quite often will admit that the Hawks have been on the downspin for a couple years now. And every team is due for their downspin and their down years. It just happens to be Chicago's time again. Yeah, I'm really intrigued to see what happens in the offseason because if I know Stan Bowman and I know that Blackhawks organization, they are not happy about this season. Definitely not. And that Panarin trade does not look very good right now. And it didn't look very good when it was made. I don't care how good Brandon Saad is. Artemi Panarin is better. And he is an offensive player that is perfect for the style of the NHL today, whereas Brandon Saad is more of a two-way guy. Those guys aren't in demand as much. Bowman's going to have some tough moves. Yeah, like, I mean, what, what do you do? You put your GM hat on here. Like, look at the cap situation for Chicago. I think that what you might have to do is make a decision, and it might end up being trading Jonathan Taze. You may have no choice. It would be weird to see Taves in another uniform, but there comes a point where you have no choice because you just have so much cap room and you can only you can't really buy out a whole lot of people. You can't move a big contract like a Seabrook, especially with the way he's been playing. I think you got a good point there, Matt. People may be laughing at you and I talking about it now, but imagine people saying last year, Eric Carlson might be traded. It it sounded ludicrous last year, but the NHL moves quickly and things can change on a dime. And I think you could see it happen. And I think you get a lot of good prospects and some picks in return and you free up some cap space and maybe you could put it, one of your bad contracts in that deal as well for Taves. You, you never know. You just Bowman's a smart guy. He if he puts his GM cap on the right way and plays that move right, I think it could be very beneficial to the Hawks in the long run because the glory days are over. I hate to admit it, Hawks fans, because the team's been on the downspin. It's time to rebuild. If you want to win another cup, you gotta, you gotta. It's not a retool. I don't think. You could retool it, but with the cap space they have, I think you have to rebuild. And it's not a big rebuild, but a rebuild nonetheless. Yeah, and we we heard a lot of talk going into the trade deadline that Chicago was looking at moving one of their big players. And I have no reason to believe that's Patrick Kane. I don't think it's Duncan Keith, although I guess that's a possibility. I think that player, that big player that they were possibly talking about, is Jonathan Taze. And you never want to trade a guy like Jonathan Taze. Great team leader. You know, he was instrumental in bringing those cups to Chicago. But, I mean, you've backed yourself into a corner here. If if it's not trading Jonathan Taze, I mean, who is going to take the Seabrook contract? Who is going to take the Keith contract? It, like, even Crawford's contract doesn't look that great. So... It, not an easy situation for Blackhawks and their fans, but like I said, be happy. You've won Stanley Cups. That's more than a lot of teams can say. Well, let's switch gears now. Let's head to the best of the best. All right, so we're leaving off Winnipeg and Tampa Bay. They're a little banged up right now, not playing the best hockey they've played all year. So number one, like usual, the Nashville Predators. Number two is an interesting one. Got the Florida Panthers who 
we're on a bit of a roll last week when we did our show, and I was kind of expecting them to come down. They did lose to Ottawa, but they still have had a very solid win streak. They bounced back against the tough Bruins team and shut them out last night. So I think this team is legitimate here, Mac. I think they can really contend for that wild card. Oh, no doubt. Number three? We've got the Columbus Blue Jackets, who have quietly been on quite a roll here, haven't they? Yeah, Artemi Panarin's playing well. It seems like they're finally starting to play up to their potential. I thought they've been, you know, I think they've been underwhelming for the most part this season. Everybody knows they're a better team than they've than the way they've played. But this is the time to get hot. Zach Wierenski, Seth Jones, Bobrovsky's getting that save percentage back up there in the top 10. So it, it's all good in Columbus right now. Number four, we've got the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, what else is there to say? We Nathan McKinnon, Rantanen. It's outstanding. Uh, do you think Rantanen might catch Barzil? He might. That, that would be something. That would be something. I still think... I still think Barzell wins the Calder, but... He might, yeah. I think he could easily challenge him for it, don't you? Oh, absolutely. So number five here to round out our top five this week, we've got the LA Kings, who are getting hot like the Columbus Blue Jackets at the right time. We talked about them earlier in the show. They're solidly in that third spot in the Pacific, which is right where you want to be because you don't want to face a Nashville Predators-type team. And they got to keep winning, though. They're not, they haven't locked it down yet. They've still got Anaheim and Calgary right on their tails. Yeah, no doubt. So that's, that's going to do it for the show today. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again next Friday. Find us on iTunes under Center Ice and Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Center Ice Radio. Find us on Facebook at Center Ice Pod. Find us on SoundCloud. We appreciate all the listens wherever you are. We love you all and have a good night.